Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sipkis. Together we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast, and today we're talking about Barbarian, a fascinating, strange new horror movie from Zach Kreger. First, I want to say a shout out to Chris, our new friend that we met recently. Chris, if you're listening, this one's for you, buddy. Now our weekly watch list. What have you been watching this week? What have you been doing this week? Matt, go ahead. After seeing Barbarian, I went out to the movies again this weekend to see Unfavorable Odds, starring our new friend Grayson Barry, who we just interviewed over on our YouTube. He's an actor, producer, director, jack-of-all-trades. Amazing guy. Definitely check out that interview on our YouTube channel if you haven't yet. As I said, I saw a movie starring him called Unfavorable Odds. It's a rom-com, lower budget, but there's still a lot of fun to be had. Grayson was pretty good in it. The story was fun. It had some good comedic bits. I've also been keeping up with Cobra Kai Season 5, which just dropped last week. And if, if folks, if you're not up on Cobra Kai, you got to catch up on it. It's, it's so fun. It's one of my favorite shows out there right now. And I also watched The Sacrament, which was an Eli, pro- <clears throat> which was an Eli Roth produced Ty West film. I won't go too much into it because we'll be talking a lot about Ty West next week on the pod. But what I'll say about this one, it was pretty disturbing. It was a tough watch, definitely a slow burn horror. It's fictional, but it's heavily influenced by the Jonestown Massacre. And honestly, creepy cults of religious zealots always kind of freak me out. So that one was playing on all my all my uh, horror fear triggers. So that was pretty uh, pretty intense. I would definitely recommend it. And as far as what I've been up to, I, this is, so full disclosure, this will be my second time talking about Barbarian this week because I also was fortunate enough to be invited onto the So Wizard podcast. Shout out to Joey and the crew at So Wizard, as well as made a new friend with Brent from the Home Video Hustle podcast. And we teamed up to talk about this movie as well. I also got to say a few choice words about Beast that I did not get to say on this pod. Oh, really? Because we try to keep it PG around here, and I'll leave it at that. Um, so, after you're done listening to this one, go over to So Wizard and check out our takes on that, on Barbarian, on So Wizard, and be sure to give them plenty of support, because they deserve it. And that's about it for me this week. Alright, well, I watched a good one. I, I got the Zemeckis Pinocchio. I did the watch. <laughs> Let me say this. All right. This is the live. This It's quote live action, but it's the Disney live action where all the human characters are played by actors and all the non are like CGI recreated. Robert Zemeckis, one of my favorite filmmakers, he started off his career like amazingly romancing the stone. Death becomes her. All this like incredibly innovative stuff. And then the last few years, it's like, welcome to Morrowind, it's the witches, it's it's this, and I'm just like, what is going on? But it's written by him and Chris Weitz, who also, very interesting writing career. He's written Ants, remember that, Jim? The Nutty Professor 2, about a boy, 
And then the live action Cinderella back in 2015 with Lily James. So interesting writing career from him. Some good stuff in there. I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts because we'll be doing a Pinocchio v. Pinocchio episode when the Del Toro one comes out. Let me say this, though. This movie is not good, but it's <laughs> very entertaining. I was captivated. the whole. My hand did not stop writing notes on the pad. I had so many questions. So much of this looks really fantastic. Cynthia Erivo plays the blue fairy who like makes Pinocchio come to life. She has this shimmering, flowing blue dress and wings. It looks really good. Inside of the whale's mouth looks really good. Pleasure Island, which I have some questions about, looks really good, except for the part where like a kid is somehow sprinting on the top of a Ferris wheel at some point, and he like steals Pinocchio's root beer, but they're like giving out free root beer everywhere. So I don't know why this kid had to steal. I guess he just felt the need. That didn't look great. The script is absolutely ridiculous. I was yelling expletives in my living room as I was watching this. There was a Jiminy Cricket moment where I literally went, did this effing a-hole really forget that piece of information? Jiminy Cricket awful in this movie. This movie did not do justice to Jiminy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I'm sorry, was, wasn't doing it. Geppetto lets his wooden boy go to school with no training on the outside world at all. Like, he's never left the shop. And he, one day he's just like, all right, go to school. Like, like nobody's going to be concerned that there's a wooden kid who can turn his head 360 degrees. I, I don't get it. Geppetto, what are you doing? <laughs> Keegan-Michael Key as Honest John the Fox is the highlight. And then just one more thing. I know I said it'd be brief and then I wasn't, so I'm sorry. The Italianness of the film is so ridiculously inconsistent. Geppetto is Italian and Hanks has an accent. Hardly anybody else is Italian. So Pinocchio, who has the spirit of Geppetto's dead son inside of him, is not in the least bit Italian. Why would his son <laughs> not be Italian? Why is his son American? Maybe it wasn't Geppetto's son. Hmm. We can say that. Save that like, for the Del Toro one. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about that. I and like none of the animals are Italian either. I, like it's just it's so bizarre. Maybe I'm nitpicking it so much, but the movie is not fun unless you nitpick it. That's where the fun comes in. Uh, another one I watched, I went to the theaters to watch a movie that I wanted to see since last winter, but it hadn't been released in America. It's a Spanish movie called The Good Boss or El Buen Patron. Uh, it was Spain's submission to the International Feature Oscar last year, notably over Parallel Mothers. It was shortlisted, not nominated. It's about the owner of a factory that makes scales, and they claim to act like a family. It's you know, like the business is a family kind of thing. The company's up for a career-making award, but various crises arise, and the boss, Julio Blanco, has to put out all these different fires, all these different situations, if he wants through the award and to keep his life together. I heard somebody describe it as, like, an uncut gems, and it kind of is in the fact that somebody, one person, one business person, is dealing with a bunch of different stuff. It doesn't quite have the manic energy as uncut gems, so it's not quite like that, but it's a good description. The movie's quite good. It's very good at like juggling the different storylines, colliding, characters crashing together. 
Javier Bardem is really excellent. At this point, I think it's really easy to take a good Bardem performance for granted because he's just always so good. But I got to give it up for him again. He has this detached charisma. He's always acting like he has things under control and he knows what to do even when he clearly doesn't. He does something which I think is very difficult for actors to do and pull off in that he makes it seem like the lines are coming out of his mind at the moment they're spoken instead of an actor memorizing lines and reciting them, if that makes any sense at all. It's a very subtle thing, but he did it very well. Um, I know it's a ridiculous thing to point out, but it stood out to me. You know, we have funny performances from these actors, Oscar De La Fuente, Fernando Albizu, funny moments, good script, very like damning portrait of the intersection of like ambition, mad ambition, and the people around you. Wasn't the most riveting movie I've seen, but it was very good at juggling all its elements. So when that one comes out, um, I saw it in theaters. You can maybe catch it on VOD, but I would recommend it. The Good Boss. All right, we are going to move now to Barbarian. Fellas, do I even, like, do I even say what this movie's about? You can, you, you can give the synopsis. I mean, the synopsis does a pretty good job of explaining the setup. All right, I'll do, I'll, this is what happens in the first two minutes, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, so a woman arrives at a Detroit Airbnb, only to discover that the house has been double booked and a young man is also staying there. They have to decide to share the home, but they soon discover a secret area of the house that should have stayed hidden. It was written and directed by Zach Kreger, who was one of the founding members of The Whitest Kids You Know, the comedy troupe, and previously co-directed Miss March. Have you guys ever seen Miss March? I have not. Saw, I don't know, all of like 11 minutes of it on Comedy Central and then just said, mm, good, and peaced out. <laughs> uh, not, not to be insulting, but I have not. So we were we were quite mixed on this one. By that I mean we had diverse opinions amongst the three of us. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and start us off with general thoughts? So that synopsis, that's a really good description of how this movie sets up. I um I was really digging it for the first probably half to two thirds of this movie, and then it just lost steam faster than I've seen a movie do in recent years. And I just, I just wanted it to end so badly by the time the third act came around. And it did do some fun, malignant-esque things toward the very end that could have been cool had they not teed it up the way they did. Because Malignant kind of never really was a movie that I felt like took itself that seriously. Whereas this one, I felt like it did. And then we'll go into when we get into spoilers, we'll explain why. But ultimately, I I was here for the first half to two thirds, and then it quickly petered out. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I have to agree with a lot of what Matt said. I was really liking this movie for most of it, and then it just got to this point where it was such a jarring tonal shift that like the, everything the movie set up just felt like meaningless almost. Like it, it felt so different that like I was like, this isn't that good. Um, it did kind of have a good setup with a good kind of like scary premise that it just kind of squandered really strangely. So as a horror movie, I think it worked for a lot of it. Um, it 
I do think it was odd for a marketing strategy to do the paranormal activity-esque, we'll show these people mm-hmm. freaking out in a theater. Because that's not what I got from this movie at all. I, I don't even think any theater experience for this movie would be like that. Because it wasn't that kind of horror movie. Like it wasn't. So I, I thought that was kind of an odd marketing tactic, and that's just not the movie we got. Um, for better or for worse. But I, I dug this movie for most of it, and then just really hated what they did with towards the ending. Yeah, I, I really like this movie, and then towards the middle, I was fascinated by it after it takes some turns, then I was confused by the choices that were made, and then ultimately was kind of exhausted. It didn't, like, sour the movie for me, though. Overall, I, I very much admire this. Without spoiling the story, I don't know if it... I don't know if I want to use the word, but you're right. It did kind of squander a good story that they had going and added another story that sounds confusing. We'll get into it in a second. I still really have to admire this thing for the scares that it is able to con- conjure up and the risk that it took. It's also very good at using ordinary fears like, you know, waking up and your bedroom door is open or like basements or fear of dark spaces, these very ordinary things and just bringing them to nightmarish extremes, right? The biggest one I think that is throughout the whole movie It's just like this fear that everyone around you could be a maniac and is capable of destruction at any given moment, right? That's that's there in the setup with this young woman who has to decide if she wants to stay in a house with this stranger or not, right? And they talk about the differences between the fears that men and women have to have while walking through the world. All very good stuff. Like I said, really enjoyed the movie. I, I don't know who I would recommend it to. The first half hour, I would recommend to any horror fan. I think it's like a very traditional, super well done piece of horror. And then after that, it takes really wild turns that I don't know if any given person would enjoy. If you're in the mood for a wild ride where you really don't know what's going to happen next, try it. It's fascinating at the very least. I didn't walk out disappointed. I walked out like, okay. All right, they tried something. I like that. One thing I want to add, if you're going to go into it, go into it as blind as possible. Avoid spoilers because I another big problem I have with this movie is I have no desire to go back to it now that I know what the the thing about it is. Um like it it just it doesn't have staying power as a horror movie and it just boggles my mind that people are heaping so much praise on it. I mean, it wasn't bad. But it's just people are talking like it's this, like the best horror movie in the last decade, and I'm just like, I, I don't see it. What I will defend about the praise is that, I mean, one, I guess just different people have different reactions, but two, I think this is just so much different than like a lot of the spoon-fed horror that's been, co- and I'm not trying to like insult those movies, but like after a while, it is difficult to be original in the horror genre. And I think this was just like, wow, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen next. And it's, at the very least, exciting. So, yeah, I didn't think this was the best either, but I, I get it. But do you think we're going to be talking about this movie in a year or two for now? I mean, I, I'm sure it'll end up being a cult movie, but I I just, I don't know. I don't see myself going back to this. Yeah, I think that's two different conversations. I think the exit interview is different than the we're going to be talking about this forever. So I don't know. I don't know. I probably won't. It's not one that has really stayed with me, but 
I enjoyed the time that I had with it, and I, I would definitely like to see the next thing that that Zach Krager does because he's clearly he's clearly got some ideas for sure. Um, the thing that he the things that he's thought up here are uh, interesting. I'm gonna give the spoiler warning now because, like Matt said, you want to go in blind to this thing. We're not gonna talk about like the very end right now, so it'll be. A, you know, some minutes before that, but just if you don't want to know anything about this, and you probably shouldn't, here's the warning now. Spoiler warning, if you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. Alright, so the first part, we have Georgina Campbell, who's really great as Tess, and we have Bill Skarsgård, as Keith. Really great casting. Uh, you know, she's very delightful, and he and the way he plays Keith is very like, seems like a nice guy, but like, you know, he could turn in a second. And he's also like, a, he's a little too forceful in like trying to get her to have some wine with him. Not in like a salacious way, but like in a, being a little bit too pushy. I took his character to be almost too nice, and that's why I like you. Like, he's trying too nice, he's trying too hard to be a nice guy kind of thing that you think there's something sinister there. And I think that was a good twist, was that, like, he wasn't the, the bad guy of it. Um, but he does, like, he's almost kind of trying too hard to not be threatening, that it comes off as, like, okay. And I think Bill Skarsgård was a perfect casting, because he plays that so well, where you could... He could be either way. Like, like he's being nice, but, you know, like you said, he could turn at any moment. So I, I just kind of feel like he, he was just trying his best to not seem threatening, but in a way that kind of made it seem like he was going to be something that, like, oh, he's like, got something to do with this. Right. He's a good red herring. And, you know, there's that scene where, first of all, super scary moment and, like, super... Like I said, super ordinarily relatable when she wakes up. She's she's sleeping in the bedroom. He's out in the living room. She wakes up and the bedroom door is open when she had locked it before she went to bed. That was like great A moment. Awesome job. You know, she finds him like almost convulsing on the couch. He's having a nightmare or something. And I do think he is a good red herring. My issue with treating him as a red herring is when she goes into the basement, finds the creepy hallway in the room and stuff, and then when she goes back up, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're overreacting. Like, I thought his reaction was a little too subdued to, like, her, who was a perfectly sane, normal person, like, freaking the hell out and saying, there's, like, something weird in the basement. He's just like, whoa, man, let's not jump the gun <laughs> sure. Like, I just thought he was a little too calm. Yeah, I mean, this whole first sequence is definitely the highlight of the movie. The way that they set up this red herring before the big reveal. Like, I thought it was superb. I was squirming. I, I, you know, it, it really had me at a crescendo when the first big reveal happens. And if you just cut this off, separated this from the rest of the movie, it would have been a great, straight up, just creepy horror movie. And would have been probably would have made the whole movie probably would have been five out of five, or if yeah, not, or at I, least a four out of five for me. But right. as we'll be getting into, it just 
it tries to do too much after this point. I are we are we spoiling it now? Kinda, it's kind of spoilers. I'm not spoiling the ending, but there is a point where you know she goes into the basement and it reveals what's down there. That's the reveal, and then it cuts to Justin Long's character, and it takes way too long to come back to this. And I'm like, you got me yes. there, and like now you're bringing me on this, which I get was kind of the point. Like, hey, we left you on a cliffhanger. Now follow this guy around. But like, I did not care for his character, which was the point. So, like, I did not find his storyline that engaging. I just wanted to get back to the house. <laughs> like, that was yeah. too much of a story cut off for me. Too long yeah. just to connect it. Yeah, too much backstory. It could, you could have cut a lot of that out, and it would have been the same movie. Like, yeah, did we, did we need to know agree. about his whole financial situation other than just a reason for him to... <laughs> get back to Detroit. The whole thing was his character wasn't even really necessary to the story. Like at come around the end of it. Like this is Tessa's story and yeah. the main the mother's story I think she was called. So I do think his presence, I'm sorry to interrupt. I do think his presence highlighted a big quality about Tess late in the film. But I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, if, if he was completely removed and they removed that whole section and kind of just kept it contained, it still would have been effective. So I, I don't think he was necessary, but, I mean, I'd like to hear you expand on that. All right, so first I want to say a couple of questions about the basement. Who keeps all spare toilet paper in a basement? You don't have any upstairs? <laughs> Come on. Come on. No way. Also, when he bought the house, did he, I'm talking about AJ, no one noticed the rope in the wall sticking out of the wall? Yeah, it was behind something like no one slightly. Has, <laughs> oh, okay. And still, you never found that? But okay, I'm, I'm willing to go with it. It's fine. The sequence where she is, like, balancing the mirror so that she'll get light down the hallway, great. And then she finds the room. Here's what's in the room. A video camera, a dirty mattress, and a bucket. And it's, like, some bloody handprints on the wall. And all credit to Krager, leaves your imagination to do some wild things. I thought that was very impressive, and I'm glad we didn't see any of the videotapes later in the film. And then we get the tunnel. Now, Keith goes down, even though I thought his reaction was a little subdued. <laughs> yeah. Now, at the moment, okay, Tess goes down. She props the chair to keep the basement open. Good decisions, good decisions. But the moment when she backs into the big tunnel thing where it goes underground, you should be saying, okay, like, Tess, what are you doing? Don't go down there. But okay, but here's the thing about Tess. She does not give up on mm -hmm. people. She doesn't give up on people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying about the AJ presence later is that when she gets out of the house later on in the film and he's still in there and, you know, she knows that he's kind of a, a bumbling buffoon, but she doesn't give up on him, right? Even when the police are not helping, she's like, I'm going back in there for this guy. So she does not give up on people. She gave up on Marcus, though. You know, you can't save everyone. Can I just can I just bring up a point about Marcus, which just because I don't know when to bring it up otherwise. So he could have been like, hey, lady, you don't want to go in there. <laughs> like this. No, that wasn't Marcus. Oh, Marcus was the, the, the dude, like the ex-boyfriend or whatever that was calling her at the beginning of the movie that oh, we never saw wait, again. Wait, then what was the name hey, of the, the guy? 
Boundaries are important. Um, Let me look that up real quick. The homeless guy? I think yeah. it was Andre. Oh, Andre, okay. I could not think of who Marcus check. was, so I just assumed that it was one of the characters <laughs> that I didn't have a name for. <laughs> no. Well, Andre. That was one of a handful of... That was one of a handful of plot lines I never went back to. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, it's fine. Boundaries are important. Yeah, Andre. Andre, instead of being Butler. like, hey, lady, there's something horrible in that. Like, he's like, lady! Hey, hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> like, And then he's like banging on the door. You get back out of here! Who would, who would respond to that? Like, that was so unnecessary. Obviously, it's a red herring. But it's so dumb and not like anything anyone would do. Because you show him later and he's a reasonable person. There's no reason for him to be like that. The most reasonable person ever. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying about the red herrings is that narratively they make sense, but the the moment where you're supposed to like turn on the character was way overrated. Yes, exactly. And it was the same the same with AJ. When they get down to the tunnel, um Keith and Tess, I wish she hadn't been named Keith. Because her yelling Keith was... Keith! I, no, Keith! I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't know why. That really annoyed me. But the the mother character, who you, we haven't met to that point, they're in a basement with cages and pitch black. She only got her cell phone. Like, and she comes up and like rams Keith's head into the wall. Mm-hmm. I was like, I cannot wait to see what Tess is going to do. And it, like you said, <laughs> Tyler, cut completely. Well, yeah. Completely. I... You, you were at the, the climax of suspense, and you cut away. What, like, what do you think... How how did she get in the hole? The mother just picked her up like a baby and then just put her in the hole? Like, <laughs> it's such I a, have some questions about the hole later. I have one more question talking back to the Andre thing. So we get his, the backstory that the mother is, like, comes out at night and, like, stocks. I don't know what she's doing. I, I have no idea. They don't really say. But none of these Airbnb guests renting this place noticed this this naked old woman walking around at night. Not one of them, like, woke up at night or was, like, uh, happened to be up and was like, oh, well, what the hell? <laughs> well, that's the other thing they don't really explain. It's because later in the movie, Justin Long's character is, like, talking to his, like, his, like property management or something. And they didn't say anything about them being rented out. So, like, does the property management know that these people are here or right. not? That was and never at explained. What point, you're absolutely right. I Go was going to say Tyler. the property company is the one whose phone number is on the rental thing, right? Because they called the management. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very confusing. Like, Yeah, it didn't make sense. I but, also don't know at what point, um, what was his name, Frank, the the serial rapist who hit all the women in the basement at what point did he just like sink into the ground and went i'm not coming up anymore and like what i just that that was so i don't want to get too ahead of myself we cut to aj we learn that aj um sexually assaulted another actress and he all but admits to it in this one scene and in some ways I kind of got him, his character, as an effective mirror, like, to the monsters underground, right? There's this sense that, like, monsters don't just look like the mother. They look like this guy, AJ, who just, like, he seems like a bumbling buffoon, but he's incredibly dangerous, and he inflicts a lot of pain, but he just looks like a normal guy. 
So I thought it was effective in that way. Tyler, like you said, it ruined the tone. Ruined the tone. It was so scary until he was introduced. And like, this movie tries way too hard to make him into an idiot. At a certain point, I'm like, I get it. He's a bad guy. I don't like him. I don't need him to be the stupidest person that ever exactly. lived and for us to laugh at it. Yeah. I don't need it. Like the the moment, and I'm going to ask you guys the same thing. The moment the movie jumped the shark for me was when he goes into an underground labyrinth that's pitch black with a measuring tape. And he's just like, this is fine. I'm going to add square footage to this. Like, come on. He's not even a human being at <laughs> that, that point. That is true. No. That was ridiculous. They did, they did push way too hard to be like, he's an idiot who only cares about himself and does bad things. Yes, we know. You keep hammering yeah. that into our heads. <laughs> yeah, there was no nuance to this character whatsoever. Just, this is a bad guy. Even to the point of the end, they're like, oh, just in case you forgot, he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Also, I just want to talk about how the fact that it was he definitely did not need to drop that gay slur. So no, trigger warning be... to anyone that might be sensitive to the, such a yeah. thing. It's it's done in passing. It it's quick, but it's still like it feels weird. I I, um, I, I think it feels not as weird for like a shitty uh, Hollywood old Hollywood type that's like I mean, willing to sexually assault someone, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it fits the character, but it we don't need it to know he's a bad guy. No. It was it was upsetting, and it was just jarring. And again, it's like, yeah, you can justify it because he's a bad guy, but like, we again, we already know that he. You already have a scene of him admitting to the fact that he pushed this woman to have sex with him when she had said no. I mean, to be fair, that was that was after letter. the gay slur. So, so we were still we were still teetering on whether he's bad or not. No, I no, I, we already. I know it, it was it was not necessary whatsoever. So again, with the tape measure, I'm sorry to keep bringing this up. Was he just adding square footage in his mind as he was going? I didn't see him writing anything down. I didn't. He yeah, didn't that seem was just like ridiculous. That bright of a guy. Also, square footage yeah. isn't just a straight line. You have to take other measurements no, than just like, ah, this room is like 10 feet across. And now I'll measure is, how long is this tunnel bad. is. <laughs> I do not understand the physics of the hole. Like, the, the mother, like, it seems like a deep hole. You know, let's say they're like, the characters are six feet tall. They could stand up and it they wouldn't reach the top. But then the mother just like, picks AJ up and just like walks out like there isn't I, I, I just didn't get that at all <laughs> the mother's strength in this film is insane and they don't really like explain it other than like she's was born through like generations of incest like that what yeah and how does Andre know all this how does he know the whole <laughs> exactly. family history he didn't tell anyone like they've been in there for how many years like decades well because he was going <laughs> he's trying that. to tell him he's screaming and they're all like oh it was this guy screaming at me <laughs> she was born of incest whoa, whoa, whoa get away from this yeah, guy that, that... yeah you need to wait so about that ahead, scene sorry. is where this movie completely lost me because first it starts with a weird exposition dump that like you said he has no why would he know all of that why does he know that 
Like, I know there's caves down there where your father kept women. What? You knew that for decades? What? <laughs> You're just sitting So here? tell me this, though. Tell me this, though. If we had taken the whole serial killer angle out of it, like Richard's Bray character just doesn't exist, and we just have an unexplained monster lady in the basement, would that have been... It would have been the same exact movie. Yeah, yeah, it would have been some, fine. Yeah, did not need some that horror at movies all. don't need to explain like as much. Yeah, like, I, I'm okay with this being like a s- kind of supernatural threat that we don't uh, get an explanation for. It literally makes no sense otherwise because why is she freakishly strong and only comes out at night? <laughs> and that was the other thing is that her, unless I just haven't dug deep enough, I feel like her need to be a mother. You know, I guess gave a little emotional moment for the character at the end of the film, but it didn't feel like it served the story. It just seemed like a character quirk to have one. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of like, that's all she knows, so that's why she does this. But at the same time, yeah, not really. Didn't really add much. And I will say, though, her design was pretty freaky. Her whole mannerisms of, like, not being able to speak English and the whole ba 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 thing and like jumping out from corners in the hallways in the basement, that was all really cool and scary, the first couple times, and then they kept doing it the same way like six more times. It it just. Uh. They also made her survive like literally way too much. That like I was just yes. like, can you kill her at the end? Like. I fully expected her to be alive after the ending, to be honest. Like, her just pop up, because... I mean, at that point, that's when it started getting into more of, like, the campy... Like, almost not horror comedy, but, like, the like the excessive camp horror, which can be fun if it matches the tone of the rest of the movie. Or at least yeah. it is... It, or yeah. At least you get a nice transition. Exactly. But this one didn't have that. There's a scene where she, like, comes out of the house at night, which, of course, was perfectly timed with when she goes into her car. She timed that really <laughs> perfectly. And, like, it right. just reminded me of I Am Legend. <laughs> she jumps out and says, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then gets driven into she's a like, wall and pinned. But she's fine. It's okay. She's fine. <laughs> she likes to make a grand entrance. So I... When the first cut of us going from the basement to AJ happened, I was like, okay, I'm kind of disappointed, but let's go with it. By the time we got to the third cutaway and we get the the story of the guy who originally owned the house, I was like, I just don't really care about this. Mm -hmm. It gives a reason for why the underground tunnels are there. I don't care about this character. I don't really want to know about the character. And worse, it just like raised more questions than it answered which i'm just like i'm not into this at all what i do want to say about that scene though as irrelevant as it may have been to the story i thought richard brake was pretty good as the yeah. serial killer in the flashback yeah i just i have questions about the escrow the sale of the home that like they knew that this guy owned the house he disappeared under did he fake his own death were they just like after a while the grass was getting tall they're like oh is anybody there hello find no them. nobody stairs the yeah, rope was hidden behind nobody something. lives here yeah the bank was like all right <laughs> yeah. well let's i mean i guess it could be like the revamping of detroit 
could have been a part of that. I yeah. just, I don't really get it. Would have been an interesting commentary on like gentrification and stuff, but I don't think it went far enough in that direction. I am. Yeah, it just it didn't develop. I am 99% sure that this is the exact same street from Don't Breathe. <laughs> it is shockingly <laughs> similar. <laughs> Where he's like the only one living on the street and the rest of the house are decrepit. They both take place in Detroit, so. <laughs> I just think this movie tried to do too much in the latter half all at the same time, and it just didn't land. I yeah. Was this movie trying to be as comedic as it was at the end? I saw like a lot of reviews that were like praising it for it, being like, oh, they, they, it was comedic and hilarious. And I'm like, was it supposed to be? Was that what they were going for? Because it doesn't work, in my opinion. I mean, the part where it picked back up for me, and that's really when you start to get that campy horror vibe, was when the homeless guy was giving his whole that, monologue that about the backstory. That got so ridiculous <laughs> that I was like, this movie's stupid now. That's one of the worst you, moments you get, of the year. Oh, she's she never gotten yeah, in here in 15 get, years. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I want to describe this scene. Just If you, if you wa- please, please watch this movie, obviously. But if you've gotten this far, then... But we get... The, the Andre, the, the guy who knew about, somehow knows her the mother's whole backstory, explaining the backstory, and then Tess is like, are you sure she's not going to come here? And then he's like, oh, in like 30 years, she's never come here. And then he, she just bursts through the wall. Like a metal <laughs> wall just bursts through. <laughs> just immediately attacks him. It was so comically terrible that it just killed everything this movie had going for <laughs> I don't know. I That was... That was this movie's police station scene from Malignant, in my opinion. And I, I, you know, I'm if if it had just stuck with going this campy subversion of expectation route the whole time, cool. But it just bothers me that the whole first third, the whole first act of the movie did a good job at setting up something legitimately terrifying, and it just. Tries to do too much. And in my opinion, it cheapens the ending, which the ending... I'm yeah. going to go for the ending here. The ending of her stumbling away, obviously, like, traumatized at what she's seen, would be effective if it didn't just... Wasn't 30 seconds after a shot of a slow-motion naked old woman jumping, diving headfirst off a water <laughs> tower or whatever it was. <laughs> like, that was so dumb. But that was that was after you got Justin Long fumbling, yeah, and, like and juggling. Yeah. She's done. He's like, we already know he's the biggest idiot. But she's like, you have a gun. He's like, oh yeah. How did you forget you had a gun this whole time? Because <laughs> he's stupid, Tyler. He's a and dumb. His immediate dummy. reaction is to throw the gun in the air and oh, 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 and it falls. <laughs> he's an imbecile. Come on, man, get with it. <laughs> Such a mess. Such, such, such a weirdly comedic ending that like did not earn the like the trauma wa- traumatized walk away, which would have been way more effective otherwise. Right, and they they do refuse the redemption arc because he sacrifices Tess. He's not a good guy. Again, we get it. He's not a good guy. And then the smash cut ending. Once we get the smash cut ending of Tess shooting the mother after this moment where like they try to well they they humanize the mother i mean she is human um by you know just making it like oh she just wanted to be a mom and she's a, a victim of all this stuff 
a moment that could have worked if I had cared at that point in the movie, but I did not, and I just wanted it to be done. You're also humanizing um, a a mother who I just saw survive a car crash, like a car run her into yeah. a wall and dive off a tower headfirst. So, like at that point, she I don't see her as a human that I'm sympathizing with. She's just the monster. <laughs> like she just burst through the wall like a the Kool Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's why it would have been better without all like the backstory stuff and like if there was no explanation nothing nothing canonically that says oh well she's technically human that would have made more sense yeah and if you think about the ending of like tess kind of putting her out of her misery that's fine but once again it does not work after what you've just done <laughs> yeah do you think that Andre is just like a fan fiction writer and he just made up <laughs> all this history that's about, yeah, I just, I don't understand that. How do you know, and I don't mean to be too graphic, but how do you know that this one man just like mated with all these generations of, like, I don't, how do what, where's the Where book? Did he- when did he this. first see the mother too that's what i want to know and like how many people were there before her like before tess and keith well he said he had only been in the area for like i think 15 years which is definitely not enough time to get that full context <laughs> no. he just saw a woman running around like, oh my god her father must be keeping women down there <laughs> sexually assaulted. maybe he saw frank's tapes which it, that was another thing when when uh, aj goes into frank's room I don't know how Frank's living down there, but when he goes into his room and Frank kills himself, I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Good so stuff. Dumb. Yeah. It... Did we know it's who Frank necessary. was at that point? Didn't, didn't the flashback? Yeah, we did. Oh, that happened before. Okay. I, I yeah, it happened before. Um, plus, we had watched the documentary about their, their life inside the tunnels. Um, Andre was with us, so he took copious notes. <laughs> We get the smash cut of Tess shooting the mother, and then it ends. I don't need the comeback to show her yeah, walking away. It, it, no, no, no effect there. Like, it could have just ended with the gunshot. So, I, I, I don't know. I hate to seem so much like I didn't like this movie. I liked it. And I, all the stuff that we talked about, I found interesting in the moment. I wasn't like, you know, the very end, I was a little exhausted. But for most of it, I was like okay i let's ride with it let's ride with it but it really it's in it's more of an experience than a great story is what i will say i can't say that's fair this does have a very realistic uh view uh portrayal of police though it's just like ah no you're crazy you crazy lady you i don't want to do anything so you're crazy we're leaving we'll arrest you though <laughs> you know stop yeah. telling us about the murderous woman in the house we'll arrest you <laughs> That was very appropriate. Also had no effect on the story. Not at all. It should have been, you know what should have happened while she was telling the police that the Andre could have come in like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> the whole latter half of this movie I felt like was just runtime padding with various horror movie tropes. Because they like had this excellent setup. And then they're just like, oh shit, it's only 45 minutes. We gotta keep going. <laughs> it could have been such a great short film. Yes. Or an even like a very short feature. And it would have been great. And I, I wrote about this in my 
review, you can see it on the site, silverscreensavers.com. Also did a Pinocchio one, one of the funnest I've ever written. But I, in that, I like that Barbarian took risks, but this is one of the few times where I'm like, I feel like the more traditional movie would have been more successful than this. If you had just stuck to like, this is a creepy house movie, it would have been perfect, but they did not. So I'm both glad that they didn't and disappointed that they didn't. So still, still liked it. Still glad I went to see yeah. it, but maybe yeah. not as successful as it could. Yeah, I mean it. I don't. I'm, I'm curious to see what Zach Kreger does next. I hope this you know, April. <laughs> I hope. Um, I hope he sees the past a little bit of the praise, the high praise that it's been getting, and sees some of the constructive criticism. Because I'm sure we, we can't be the only ones thinking that this movie was mid at least or at least not as good in the latter half i hope he you know i hope obviously i hope the next one's better than this one and then the next one after that is even better than that you know i want to see these filmmakers and these artists continually improve on themselves and i think there were good bones here there was a good good structure here a good start here but it just yeah Pretty much what we've said already. Let's give it a score out of 10. I, in my review, and I'm going to stick to it, I give it a 7 because I think it's pretty bold and I liked it quite a bit. doesn't get all the way there. Um, generously, I'll give it a 6 out of 10 because, like I said, the the parts I liked I did really like. It just, it just ran out of steam. I will give it a seven as well. I did like this movie. I, I sound like I was trashing it, but this movie does keep you guessing and it does keep you like, you're not going to guess what happens next. So I got to give it that. Any final thoughts on Barbarian? It was, no, never mind. I just said, I just gave it a six. I was going to say it was ba 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 bad, but it, I can't really say that because it wasn't that bad. It was oh, the weirdest titled movie I've seen. Yeah. Bar- Barbarian yeah, is not I... a fitting title. No, it really isn't. Uh, what is going to be a fitting title is next week, Pearl. We're going to be talking about Pearl. We'll be talking about Ty West, so stick tuned for that. Until then, if you want to write to us, please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com if you like the show share it with a friend with a fellow movie lover rate and review apple Podcasts, spotify any of those follow us on twitter and instagram at screensaverspod and our facebook is silverscreensaverspodcast matt where can you be found online you can find me at maddie x sturds s-t-u-r-d-z that's on instagram twitter and letterboxd you can find me on instagram and twitter at tyler sutkus and on letterboxd at tyler96 I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at MGallet. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay down to bone. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-bye. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallet, Tyler Sukis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel. <laughs>